Friday, everybody. It's another episode of the Idaho Sports Prep Cast presented by Project Filter. I'm Paul Kingsbury with Brandon Hill. Brandon, we've had a, a fun week yeah. here at IdahoSports.com. Last night, we drove to Garden Valley and, uh, and watched a doubleheader boys and girls basketball. We'd never done a game in Garden Valley, any sport. Internet was always an issue. Um, Verizon recently, just for us, I think, put in a brand new cell tower right next to the high school. Uh, the high school now has great Wi-Fi, so we were able to go in. We got set up. We did those two games. Um, it was a lot of fun. Salmon River versus Garden Valley, two small school um, teams coming in. The atmosphere was great. Um, overall, the, the the people were friendly. It was it was a good time. Yeah, I'd said this during the broadcast, too. Is definitely one of the smallest high school gyms I've ever been to, coming from a, a 5A slash 4A school in Valley View. Yeah. But, man, it was just electric in there. It was everybody from the town, you know, crowded into this tight space, you know, going wild for their team, both boys and girls, packed house for both games. Yeah, it was definitely a, a fun one to watch. And that one, the uh, the Savage Six, so to speak, for Salmon River, um, they defeated Garden Valley 40-24, to and then Garden Valley boys were all over Salmon River 70-31 yeah. to in that one. But, um, you know, the, the scores weren't reflective of good games, but there was great athletes on both sides. They were fun to watch, you know, on, on the girls' side, um, you know, Emma Kadot was great. Um, Grace, the Castillo sisters mm-hmm. uh, were, were great for Salmon River. Six players. And, and, and even Garden Valley, I think they had seven. Yeah. And so not, not a lot of deep benches on these. A lot of youth on both sides. The boys, you know, we came in really expecting uh, to see Kobe Kelly just go off. He ended up with 13 points. Had a good second half. Um, Richard Lindstrom um, played really well. So, um, you know, all the way around, it was just fun. You know, these are teams that, that are going to have success um, either this year down the road, you know, state tournament teams going back in, seeing Garden Valley um, kind of back up is, is, is good to see. So it, it, it was fun, and we definitely plan on going back. Yeah, and it was great, too, to have uh, our story by Ashley Mays about the, the Savage Six, that Salmon River girls basketball team, up on the website, you know, the day before we go mm-hmm. and visit them. And so we were able to – I was able to edit that story, kind of get familiar with the girls' team, and, and then see them in action it was really cool. It's like we actually planned that. Yeah, it's kinda almost cool. kind of weird. Great. <laughs> All right, well, the, a topic we really want to talk about, it, it's been a topic of discussion in high school sports. I'm sure it is in, in probably 40 other states. Um, here in Idaho, it's brought up every few years, and that is the shot clock. Yes. Uh, the shot clock is, is always a debate topic. There's a lot of arguments for it. There's a lot of arguments against it. Um, and every once in a while, the coaches, the ADs, especially the coaches, will bring forth uh, – a poll and, and, and poll things and take it to the IHSAA. Uh, in 2013, it happened. Um, this week, it happened. And and kind of just the same as last time, no one brought it to a vote. So it's on the discussion agenda. They talk about it. And if the board thinks that it's worth looking into more, they'll, uh, they'll make a motion and they'll vote to put it um, and to do something with it. No one did anything. Yeah. They all just sat there until <laughs> the president of the board said, all right, I guess we're not doing anything. And so, again, it was effectively tabled uh, for an indefinite amount of time until it's brought up again and there's a change in attitude with the board. Um, and, and, again, there's arguments on both sides, and, and you and I will, will go over those. But, you know, from, from your point of view, mm-hmm. when it comes to a shot clock, wh- what do you feel So we kinda, personally? We, we talked about this, this during uh, last night's game, actually, is kind of how it, it got into our brains was watching mm-hmm. the, the boys' game between Garden Valley and Salmon River. Garden Valley, obviously the better team. They're going to win that game no matter right. what. A lot of athletes on that team. But when you look at the Savages trying to get back in the lead and then it goes to Garden Valley and they just they pass it around, they dribble for a little bit, 
to kind of take some open looks, maybe pass it around some more, shoot, either make it or the San River rebounds. And so it's just like there's not a lot of opportunities, I guess, for t- for teams who are behind maybe in that, that double-digit range right. to, to get back in the game and, and make it competitive quickly. Right. Where, you know, and, and we saw it with the, the San River, the girls' team, that Savage Six able to just pass it around just endlessly and endlessly on the outside of the arc and Garden Valley unable to really get the ball back with any significant amount of time to try and make it competitive. Right. And, and, and there is that argument. If you want the ball back, play better defense. Yes. Right. And, and that is an argument. And that was actually an argument that I've had for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually, you know, I've been very uh, political about this. I've, I've, I'm like, I'm like a politician. I've, <laughs> I've waffled and, uh, and I've, I've evolved. Oh, good my you. position <laughs> is, is how they say it. And, and I'm not saying I'm firmly in, in the shot clock camp. I can, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more in the middle now where I can see both sides. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about a little bit about the history of that shot clock debate. Early on, um, in 2000, 2001, I remember, the, uh, the girls' state championship, Boise versus Bora. Uh, Boise, the better team. Bora, um, head coach Pankratz, comes in and says, we're not going to beat them on talent. Yeah. And so we're going we're gonna to stall. And I was courtside. This was way before we were uh, webcasting, and so I was I was typing in updates, the, the live live updates, uh, text that people could look at. And I remember eventually going pass screen away, click pass screen away, click. This really sucks, click. <laughs> and this is boring, click. And and the fans were booing these poor girls mm-hmm. on the court because they literally stood there with the basketball for two, three minutes until a defender got within that five-second count, and then they'd pass it off, and they would do it. Yeah. And somebody makes a basket, they hold. They hold. And ended up 17-7, to seven, I believe, or one. <laughs> uh, you know, the Boise girls bawling their eyes out. You know, they didn't get to play a basketball game for their championship. But it was strategy, and yeah. it was well within the rules, and, and they won. Now, that same year, I think, it happened in Oregon uh, – she was ranked the number one recruit in, in the state. Their opponent did the same thing where, you know, it was she made a bucket end of the first quarter. They came out, threw the ball in to start the second, and held it. Like, they didn't come play defense on her. That one girl held the ball the entire second quarter until I think there was six seconds left. They, they turned it over. Mm. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> but they turned it over. And so that's really where uh, um, the shot clock talk really started. Yeah. Uh, on a more on a national level was with that because it was more more prominent with that player. But in Idaho, it's it's really been since then. There's there's been a lot of talk, a lot of arguments, and and uh, the statesman, you know, Mike did a great job putting um, out. There's numbers now, mm-hmm. and uh, and they they pulled coaches, they pulled athletic directors, and they pulled pretty high. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, we we pulled some numbers from that where it said maybe uh, like eighty four percent of boys and girls coaches combined were in favor of a shot clock. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. When you think, when you're trying to think of trying to get 84% of people from any walk of life to agree on anything. Right. Agreeing on it, something like a shot clock where it's already kind of controversial in the state uh-huh. of Idaho. Pretty impressive. Now, and, and one thing that people might out, you know, some of the naysayers saying, well, how many of those coaches actually responded? Did, yeah. did they hear back from six? You know, no, it was a high percentage. Yeah. I, I can't remember the percentage, but it was a, it was more than 50. Definitely more than 50 responded and so it's a pretty good uh patchwork of of classification sizes mm-hmm. school sizes that responded favorably with this and 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 that was coaches now the the they did ad's as well 72 percent of the athletic directors yeah. wanted this so the the people that you want to talk to about it the athletic directors and the coaches overwhelmingly 
want it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the board tabled it. Yeah. Um, and and one of the, one of the uh, not arguments, but the explanations um, was, well, they would like to see the opinion of principals and superintendents instead because they're the ones that have to pay for it. Okay, understand that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, as as an uh, as covering activities, mm-hmm. coaches and athletic directors seem to have a pretty good voice. And if they want something, let's at least take a look at it, right? Yeah. And, and what's interesting too, we talked about the eighty four percent of you know just across the board, boys and girls coaches. You know, all the the results tabulated came out to eighty four, eighty one percent support in the one AD twos. Right. So people think you know, oh, this survey a couple of years ago was spearheaded by Mountain View's head coach and Meridian's head coach. So it's the Treasure Valley talking. It's right. the four A and the five A's. And it's no, it was I think above seventy percent support in every classification across the state. Right. And and with that comes the cons. Yes. And the biggest one is cost. And and that's that's from the NFHS level down to the individual high schools. And that was always uh, when I was officially in the camp of anti shot clock. That was my biggest argument mm-hmm. is is cost. I mean, you're looking at around two grand, sometimes up to three. If you want to get the wireless option, great. There's all sorts of costs out there, but right around two grand. Now that's to buy it. Okay. Uh, buy it, install it. Well, now you have to pay someone to run it 20 bucks a game, whatever. Well, that's still 20 bucks a game. Yeah. And so there's all these costs involved. And if you, you can't have one school have it in a conference and other schools don't, it's, mm-hmm. it's an all or nothing. And so if you've got a, a school that, you know, a sponsor comes up and says, Hey, I'll cover it. You know, ABC Plumbing says, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay, well, meanwhile, the, the school two miles down the road doesn't have an ABC Plumbing. They have to find it in their budget. Yeah. And if everyone's doing it, they have to do it. I mean, th- there's definitely other other projects that have come up in the last couple, three years that schools seem to be finding money to purchase mm-hmm. um, instead of using it for, for example, one of the board members said, you know what, we need we need clocks on soccer fields. Yeah. You know, how come we're not taking this money and, and, and we're talking about shot clocks when we don't even have clocks on soccer fields? There's a few arguments that you could point to a few <laughs> different things of why are we spending money on other things yeah. instead of buying clocks on soccer fields. It was for other podcasters on other days, <laughs> but, but it's true. There, there's always places that schools can spend money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and does it really improve the game, which is the next aspect we can talk about. Does it, how often does a team hold it for 35 seconds, 30 seconds? Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't timing it when we were watching that, that salmon river girls basketball team. But when a team does, you know, pass it around and hold it, it feels like it's longer than 30, 35 seconds. But, right. But maybe it's not. And maybe maybe they go to 38 seconds. Maybe it's a 40-second possession that a shot clock really just wouldn't change that much. Right. And and one thing that Beth Holt, she's on the board of directors. I've known her a long time. Uh, really nice. She knows what she's doing. She knows her stuff. And she was the girls' basketball coach at Fruitland mm-hmm. for a long time. And her comment was, was funny and true. She's saying, I've coached basketball a long time. Girls basketball, and in 35 seconds, we're either putting up a shot or, or turning it over. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's true; it yeah. really is. I mean, I, I've known guys um, who have actually sat in the stands with with stopwatches, and those possessions rarely get to 35 seconds. So, and when, when it, what it does affect is the end of the game. So that last couple of minutes, um, and and especially in a, in a low fouling game where it's two fouls to to three, and you need it. Well, all of a sudden, kids are getting fouled, yeah. right? And so you you've you've enjoyed a nice uh, flow of the game, then all of a sudden, inbounds foul, inbounds foul, inbounds foul. Yeah. And and instead of just confining it to that shot clock, well, one more argument to me that I haven't seen anywhere is injury factor, okay? High school sports is all about player safety. Mm-hmm. So if if you're having to really intentionally foul a team four times to get them in the bonus to shoot free throws, doesn't that up the risk of injury? 
Yeah, you, you got to think that definitely when when teams are yeah throwing out flagrant fouls and, and just trying to stop the clock in some kind of way, it's like, yeah, just, just introduce a shot clock. That fixes your problem right there. Right. Now, going back to the other side, we're, we're jumping around arguments here, but at that point, is it worth the two to $3,000? Is it worth the 20 bucks a game to do it for the final minute or two of a small handful of games a year? Mm-hmm. Does that does that equal out? Is is it worth it at that point? I know when you look at the price tag of some of these, a couple grand plus the, the, the amount of money it takes for someone to run it. That's what surprised me is how much money per season it takes for boys and girls to just have someone watching if the ball hits the rim and if to reset the shot clock or not. Right. It's kind of surprising to me how much that costs, which makes me think that, you know, makes me question, is it worth it? Another thing also that was in the, uh, the Laklama story, I don't know if those numbers are updated now, but I think it was only eight states across the nation use a shot clock. Right, and I found eight. I found ten okay. um, at, at one point um, that were using it. Um, but, yeah, and, and the big reason is because the NFHS mm-hmm. – hasn't mandated it and there's you know a little bit of a um, penalty if you do you don't get to sit on the rules committee for example and that's one big argument by the ihsa is well if we get the shot clock we can't sit on the rules committee yeah and there were a couple of great quotes by some coaches (laughs) in the statesman article about does it really matter yeah you know and and yes the rules committee they make the rules but how often does three seconds in the key change how long does the five second count change those big rules now like they mentioned the color of spandex under a uniform the length of shorts how you can roll it is that really worth being on that committee for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, some say yes, apparently. Others say no. And so there's all of these factors that come in of player safety and the cost and, and different schools doing it. And, and, and does it really matter uh, in, the, in the long term of all those? Well, another big argument is let's prepare our kids to move on to the next level. You know, they're going into college, bam, there's a shot clock. Yeah. Well, and, and they claim it's a huge disadvantage. However, if there's only eight, eight states... Well, there's, you know, by by math, 42 other states that are at that same disadvantage. Yeah. Uh, so does that really matter? You know, you can poke holes in both sides, and I think it's it's a fun argument to have, mm-hmm. um, especially for us since we're completely out of it. Yeah. We get to just cover it and hover and <laughs> and cover and, and and do that. But it, it, it's an interesting argument on both sides, and and I can definitely see the merits on both sides. I just don't see it changing anytime soon. Yeah, and it'll be definitely interesting to see as we approach the postseason for both boys and girls basketball. Will teams who might be underhanded in a matchup pull a Bora Boise situation where they know that they don't have the athletes to match up, and so they're just going to hold it and, and try their luck with the, the time game and, and the possession right. game? And luckily, we haven't seen that yeah. to, to, to that extent in a very long time. 2001, that was a yeah. long time ago. Um, I think I only had two kids at that at that time <laughs> I that was, was four years old <laughs> that long ago so well there it is the shot clock if you have an opinion on this hit us up on Twitter at Idaho sports leave a comment of what you think about the shot clock um, for against you know the wise what fours leave us a comment on Twitter at Idaho sports that's gonna do it for segment number one we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back this is the Idaho sports prepcast presented by project filter My name is Lisa and I smoked for 16 years before I finally quit. When I was a smoker, I didn't want to do things that wouldn't allow me to smoke. I never went on a field trip with either one of my children. All the field trips to the zoo, I missed all of that because that little round stick was controlling so much of my life. Now I can do any of that stuff, it doesn't matter. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit projectfilter.org. 
Thank you, Project Filter, for all you do making this possible. When you're ready to quit, they'll show you how. Just go to projectfilter.org. All right, something else that, that happened this week uh, that was the IHSA board meeting. Mike Licklama, he always falls on the sword for the rest of the media <laughs> and, and gets there early. It's, it's an early morning for, for, media, yeah. for high school media guys. You know, be there at about quarter to seven, getting your seat, and, and, and that's a.m. Yeah. And so that's rough. It um, took me uh, one of those meetings to realize how valiant Mike is to go to all of those. Oh, yeah. If you don't have a vested interest in, in, in everything, it can get boring real quick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's good to see how it works. It's great to see all those things. But, yeah, we definitely want to thank Mike yeah. for, uh, for getting all this out. So it was back to how we do the playoffs. And, and this has been something that has been talked about, complained about, since, since I came on the scene covering high school sports 20-plus years ago, mm-hmm. and that was how the brackets are done in Idaho. Yeah. And for since time began, they were preceded brackets. Um, you knew ahead of time that uh, 3A was going to be playing 4C uh, in game two. You just knew it because it was, it was there. And it was up to the schools to figure out how to get those teams there. You know, the IHSA said, here's our brackets. You get your teams here. And, and I honestly didn't mind that way. You know, it, it was everybody knew it. Uh, the rules were laid out beforehand. You know, it's not like they were changed. And, and that's just the way it worked. But a lot of times you saw uh, in basketball, semifinals, Friday, Friday night, 6 o'clock, really the championship was being played by the two best teams in the state. Instead of being played the next night, you know, at 6 o'clock or 8 o'clock at, at the Idaho Center. Yeah. And, and so when that happened, it didn't happen every year, but when it did, that's when everybody said, hey, we, we seed wrestling. Why can't we seed basketball? And, and there's myriad reasons why. Mm-hmm. But a few years ago, they started looking at the RPI and, and Max Prep's rankings. And, and as technology evolves, the options evolve. And, and so some of the classifications in Idaho dipped their toes in a little bit. It worked out pretty well for 3A. You know, yeah. there's always bugs. There's always wrinkles. But after uh, the board meeting, uh, 5A made a few changes, but they're not really going with it. 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A, D1. They're really going with the max preps rankings and, and booting out the RPI. 1A, D2, uh, making a couple small changes, but nothing big as well. So uh, between 1A, D2 and 5A, all of those sandwiched in the middle made that change to, to some max preps rankings in one form or another. And there was a, a, a lot to talk about, a lot going on, a lot of questions. And again, Mike Leclama put together a great article. Um, I believe, did it go out yesterday or today? I believe it went out yesterday based on what you told me. Okay, last last night probably. Oh, we were it probably took in the mountains of Garden Valley. <laughs> it was a great drive, Will. Yeah, it? it was. So, so it probably took him all day. came out last night. We actually put it up on our homepage uh, today. Um, you can go and check it out and read the entire article. But to kind of summarize and talk, and, and, and I, I had a chance, um, I, I thought this morning, you know, we really need to get Mike on the phone. So right now we actually have Mike Leclama from the Idaho Statesman on the phone. Mike, appreciate you giving us a call today. How you doing? Uh, doing great. Good. You wrote a, a, a great piece, um, basically breaking the news that um, Idaho overhauled the high school football playoffs for 2020. And it's been in the makings um, for the last few years, as people, uh, different classifications have tinkered with things, but um, there's some serious changes made this time. Yeah, the two A's were, they were the pioneers of it two years ago using uh, an RPI formula to seed its playoffs. And then the three A's kind of jumped in last year uh, using that more more, uh, more seriously. And then now we got, it's going to be 4A, 3A, 2A, and 1A Division One are all going in. Um, <clears throat> all jump on the bandwagon, all going to use computer rankings uh, to seed their playoffs. And, a little bit slight uh, different tweaks to them all, but yeah. So with with five A, you mentioned not they changed a few things, but they're they're not really 
going full force on this, and you, you quoted uh, Boise uh, Activities Director John Rizik is saying, the 5As are holding off now using the max preps rankings uh, for, for those bursts. Do you see them doing that in the future, and, and, and why are they holding off right now? It's kind of, I mean, everyone's been in this, this process. It's you know, kind of been the United States philosophy, and, and in fairness, they've learned from other states that have done this. Colorado jumped in full force and had a lot of problems when they first went to know, RPI rankings or computer rankings. Um, you know, a win, you know, a winless team made the playoffs versus like a four and five team. You know, they had, they've had some problems with it. So Idaho's kind of gone slow with it. Uh, the five A's are kind of taking that approach. And all I say, the five A's like what they have. They don't see any problems with what they what they have. Uh, their classification, just the way the geography works out, and the way. Um, all the schools break down, and now it's going to be two divisions in the 5A SIC, and so those two teams can play out for one and two, and, and they just like the way everything works right now, so they're not looking to make any radical changes just yet. No, and you and I have been have been covering high school sports for quite a while, and we've seen uh, for years, um, you know, for myself, the last 20-plus years of the pre-drawn brackets. And while it was simple, you know, it was really easy. Everybody knew where, where people were going to be, you know, a, a year or two in advance. What we saw a lot were were those semifinal matchups that should have been championship games. Didn't happen all the time, but they did come. And so people would would always, you know, the argument was, well, you can seed wrestling. Why can't you seed other sports? And and so it's it's finally gravitating towards what people wanted, I think. And even though there's going to be some grumbling and and, and grouching on some things, um, I think personally overall, I kind of like direct the direction it's heading. Yeah, I think it's a it's the right decision. Ultimately, you're trying to use instead of you know, something John Tears in advance, you're trying to use results on the field to determine uh, who should be in the playoffs and where they should be in the playoffs, who they should play. Uh, there have been always been considerations about travel and trying to limit that. And, and you, you end up with funny results. Like I remember my first year in Idaho, uh, you know, Blackfoot, this is the, you know, the Josh Hill team is now with the Northern Saints. You know, they played Minico in the grade eight playoffs in the first round, around what would have been 12 or 14, I think it was. And that was the number one versus number two space. Everyone knew that was. Yeah, that should have at least been a semifinal game, let alone a championship game. And you know, we see that at least at one of those pretty much every year uh, these predetermined brackets. There's always some complaints, and you know, ultimately you got to beat the best teams to, to be the state champion. But ultimately, what the plan is is you want to have that big time game, the one everyone's looking forward to, the one everyone's pumped up about. They want to have that in the state championship game. So we're trying to move towards a way to make that happen better than what. We previously had. No, you mentioned the 4A football playoffs, and, and you know they, they're going to a 16-team bracket. The five conference uh, champs, top five seeds, ranked by the max preps uh, number, and then everybody else gets on. Now, as, as with all things, because of the you know the geography of Idaho, travel is always a concern. And and with this, um, the higher seeds host in the 4A. The exceptions come in the second round to reduce travel cost. So if number nine beats number eight on the road, it'll host number one. So if Century is number one, and Sandpoint comes out and beats number eight, Century is going to have to travel all the way to Sandpoint as the number one seed to play the nine. Now, it, looking at it objectively, you understand it, but the fans of Century are going to look at it and go, why the heck are we driving all the way to Sandpoint as the number one seed in the state to play number nine? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's you know, we've, as we've learned from, I mean, Stink River's been a perfect example the last two years. Uh-huh. There are going to be funny things that happen. So just you put things through things to the computer. Uh, it views things differently than a human. It's going to look at things objectively. It's going to the inputs that you give it are the only things it's going to put out. So, um, like I said, they were trying to spread the costs around. So at least you know, bigger standpoint. Say they played Blackfoot the previous week, and then they come back and play Century the next week. That's uh, you know, exp- that's expensive for an athletic program to cover. So they're trying to spread that around a little bit. But if you're Century, you're going to have a problem with that. You know, we 
won on the field. We deserve to play at home. But this is kind of one of those uh, compromises that get made to ultimately try to get something that was better than we had before. And I think that's, again, everyone I talk to is kind of like, listen, we know there are going to be problems. We know there's going to be an issue, um, but it's better. So with, with with travel being a concern and, and you you being the guy in the know, you like going to those early morning board meetings and, and sitting through those. Was there any discussion about maybe how to fix that as far as maybe a meet in the middle? So when a Marsh Valley, you know, for instance, plays a Timberlake, okay, let's go ahead and, and meet at, at Weezer. You know, let's, let's meet at Fruitland School. Um, I mean, there's pros and cons to that where it's great hosting that, that home field. But if you're really wanting to reduce travel costs for everybody and do what's best for the entire state, you would think meeting in the middle somewhere w- would be a good compromise. There's some talks about that with the 1As, and ultimately in these first two, first two rounds in 4A and the first rounds in 3A and 2A, they're not IHA playoff games. So if you're standpoint and you say you want to give someone a break, you're allowed to do that. You could move it, say, to the Kibbe Dome, or you can move it to, I don't know, McCall or something. Right. Um, you know, you're allowed to choose where you want it or you want to play. Ultimately, most of them choose to play at home. You know, some of the Eastern Idaho schools like to go to Holt Arena, but um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some talks about some 1As, like, well, let's meet in the middle somewhere, because those are the schools where, you know, these travel costs do have a significant effect, whereas a 4A level, I mean, not to say it's nothing, but you can absorb that in those athletic budgets. No, you mentioned the 1AD1s, and these are, I was kind of excited about these changes. Um, you know, I've been talking to to some ADs over the last couple of months, and they mentioned they were going to be changing some things. So it's good to see for, for the main reason that they're expanding it. More teams are going to make that playoff. Um, you know, in my mind, you're not going to get what we got a couple of years ago uh, with the Oakley Chalice um, thing. And, and, and so you get more, more teams coming into those playoffs. Um, it, it eliminates some of the problems you've had, but it also gets more teams in the mix, in the hunt, so to speak, because that 1AD1 classification is usually so stacked um, with a lot of the same teams. Uh, the one thing they do is the five conference champs automatically receive the playoff first, and the top four are ranked, and they get a buy into the quarterfinals. But that mm-hmm. one, it, it has a chance to uh, to possibly be a pretty low low berth, right? Yeah, they kind of figure that'll probably be the Wallace, Wallace you know, because they're kind of in the district by themselves. Makes sense. They probably would. I mean, that's kind of what you think is going to happen, but, you know, maybe Wallace is eight no next year. You never know. So, I mean, the two ways in one division ones are really – so the backup four A is kind of – they're using the max preps. They're going to seed it, but they're still automatic qualifiers. And you're kind of the last couple of teams coming by max preps. And it's not a massive change where the two A's and one A division ones are, they're making a major change. Basically, if you win your conference, you're in. Other than that, everyone else gets in by the computer. That's and that's, that's a huge departure from what Idaho's oh, previously done to qualify for the playoffs. Absolutely, it is. And, and I think it's a, a positive step forward for them. I'd, I'd like to see one A D twos um, doing that. Right now, they're not. You know, the 1AD2s are taking a playoff team away, but they're really not doing much. Um, was there much discussion about the, the whys of that? It's just a matter of, I mean, especially the classification, there's schools that, you know, struggle to field teams every year. There's been a lot of forfeits in that first round in that 1AD2 the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, team by the end of the year, they just don't have the body. I think that was more kind of the issue with that. It's like, okay. And then as teams have been moved around with the classification switch coming up, uh, you know, everything is focused on percentages. If we want to have 50% of that district, 50% of that district, you know, you try to keep everything as close as you can. And I think that was ultimately the casualty of uh, that one last playoff bid was, you know, they, they moved that line down. So 182 lost quite a few teams. Now, it seems like 3A really pioneered this. They kind of led the way. And, and a lot of times the first guy through the door is the one that gets shot. 
And so 3A really took took the heat, so to speak, early on by pushing this. You, know, you have Cameron Anderson doing it. You mentioned Jeb Harrison in your article. And, and it worked out really well. I thought last, last year's or this fall's playoffs with 3A worked really well. And 2A apparently did too because they're basically mirroring, mirroring what the 3As did. So 3A, 2A, those are going to be fun. Those, you know, they have a lot of schools in both of those. And the 2A always had that first round of, you know, 76 teams playing in that first round, it seemed like. And, and then they get fed into. So having a 3A and 2, I kind of like the way they do it. Um, is, is there, do, do you think that at some point in the future that there will be a uniform way, um, 5A through 1A, D2 of, of seeding playoffs? Or do you think it's going to continue to be a, a kind of a potluck of each classification based on their wants and needs? It's going to continue to be, uh, you know, just a big smorgasbord. I mean, the issue it comes down to is the number of teams in these classifications. So 5A has 20 teams, uh, which is a perfect. So let's go last year. They had 19 teams last year, so they had a smaller bracket. But then you went to the 4A, and they had like 28 teams. So having 16 teams in the playoffs, I mean, you did that in the 4A level just because there were so many more teams. And as you get down, you know, 3A has fewer teams than 2A. And the one is, you know, it, it, there's different numbers. And so trying to make sure that there's, you know, you said the top half of each, you know, district or division, um, get in the playoffs, you're going to end up with funny numbers of a 13-team bracket or 11-team bracket. And it's just kind of the way Idaho goes and the way we have our division line drawn, our classification lines drawn, nothing's ever going to line up perfectly where you could, everyone can have an 18 bracket or everyone has a 12-team bracket or everyone has a 16-team bracket. I just don't see, you know, I just don't see that ever happening. And, and it seems in Idaho the, the big uh, towns are just keep, they, they just keep adding high schools. You know, he's coming on. Um, CUNA mm-hmm. will eventually have another school with sports. And, and the smaller schools, like you mentioned, 1AD2, they just keep getting smaller. You know, Mackey is in trouble. There, there's all these schools that keep getting smaller and losing programs. So, you know, you're right. It, it might be, a, you know, every two years reevaluate, you know, what schools we have, what schools we have coming online. Look at numbers, um, you know, for a Salmon River and, and say, hey, do we have kids coming up? They're even going to be able to field a team and, and, and go from there. So getting rid of, of one team might not work one year and your other. So I think you're right. Um, probably the best way to do it to keep going potpourri. A couple other questions for you. Is there a timeline discussed? Um, is, is Are we still in a test phase? Or are we really, okay, this is what we're going to do? Or was there, hey, we're going to look at it for a couple of years, make some changes? Or are, are they kind of setting things in stone now? Well, as everything happens in Idaho, everything gets changed every two years from classifications yeah. recycle. So nothing's ever really done, done. So, I mean, we're going to go this for two years. And and when we get back here in two years from now, we're going to sit down. Okay, do we like that? Do we not like that? Do we want to go back to pre-drawn brackets? I have a hard time seeing once classifications have gone to this route, I don't see that cat going back in the bag. Yeah. I think we're here to stay. What will be interesting to see is, does this expand to other sports? Because honestly, what we're doing right now, we're doing with the hardest sport, football. Yep. Football's the hardest sport to have computer instances because there's so few games. You know, you play basketball, you play 20-plus games. Soccer, you play you know, 15 to 20, somewhere there, depending on your schedule. Baseball, you're playing 20-plus games. Those are far easier to figure out mathematically who the best teams are because you have so much more data. Uh, whereas football, we're kind of doing it the hardest way first. No, you're absolutely right. And basketball, I think, is the, the logical next step for that. Um, you know, when we talk about championships and semifinals, that seems to be where it really happens quite a bit. You get that uh, big game happening, you know, at Bora High School on uh, on Friday night, and everybody goes, "Well, this was the championship," and and sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But but yeah, I think I think basketball is going to be a, a great one to have in the next few years when it, when it happens. Now we talked about a lot of uh, positive things um, with this change. There's obviously drawbacks, some cons involved, and and one that I thought of. Um, 
and, and really based on that Jeb Harrison um, thing at Snake River, how is this going to affect traditional rivalry games like Snake River, Sugar Salem? And, and are we hurting the regular season to improve the playoffs? Well, it's going to be interesting is how this classification comes in. You're just thinking through, okay, everyone's going to act in their own self-interest. That's just human psychology. Mm-hmm. So what, and if there's no benefit for a 3A play in the 4A, why, why would you do that? I mean, there, you don't get any extra boost for playing up a classification. You also don't get penalized for playing down a classification. So if you're, said you're Snake River, would you want to go back and play Blackfoot? That was your traditional rival. Uh, they canceled, you know, they've kind of got back and forth with that over the years. Or do you want to pick up Westside and Firth? Uh, right. They said they made a gamble this last year that, okay, those teams are going to have good records. So we think that's going to help us. Uh, but we think we could beat them. So there's kind of going to be that chess match playing in. It's like, well, we think you're going to be good, but not better than us. So we want to play you. Right. Um, but are, is that other team going to want to do the same? So it, it's going to come, there's going to be a lot of this chess match. And I am worried about how that will affect scheduling because if you're, some of it's already hard enough as it is. If you're the Prestons of the world, you're the North Fremont's world, you know, these far flung schools, it's already hard enough to get games. How is that going to now affect you? Like, well, how does it, if you're, say, Minico, what would you want to play Preston for? Is that, if Muslims are going to help you, why would you want to go play them? Right, and, and and you mentioned a Preston, you and even further down south, the Bear Lakes, the West Sides, and you know they mm-hmm. play they play the rich Utahs and and other you know Utah schools up north. They go into Montana, they go into Washington a lot, and so you know and a lot of those teams in those other states have a hard time getting games. So it's great getting Idaho Idaho schools in, but when an Idaho school says, "Sorry, we can't play you because it's not going to help us in the playoffs," you know, I think those are the discussions where they're going to happen. But are, are they really going to be uh, listened to, I guess, is, is a good way to put it. Yeah, and it's one of those things we're really not going to know until we do. So, I mean, again, everything I kept coming back to talk to people, you know, I'd point out, well, what about this? Well, what about this? What about this? And everyone's like, yes, we understand there are going to be issues. We're going to try to work through them as we go. But we ultimately think it's an improvement over where we are today. And so that really really comes down to they, they think it's better. We'll find out if it's better. Well, hey, great job on the article. Appreciate you taking some time out today. Know you're a busy guy there at the Idaho Statesman. Michael Glama, the uh, the master when it comes to uh, to breaking this kind of news. You can actually go to his Twitter account. Um, you can go to the Statesman. We actually have it up on idahosports.com right now on the homepage. Click it, and you can click to his article as well. well we're going to take a quick break again, and then we'll come back and wrap things up here on the Idaho Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter. This is something that's totally in all of our control and that's what really motivated me to quit smoking. I quit for myself, but it was a good thing that I did because I had too much to lose. I'm glad that I quit, and I don't ever want to be there again. It's just not worth it. Each year, hundreds of Idahoans quit smoking. Get help or share your quit story. Visit projectfilter.org. All right, welcome back to the Idaho Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter. This week, um, earlier in the week, I was um, at the, the CUNA-Columbia game. Mm-hmm. And that CUNA-Columbia game, it's, they, uh, they actually kind of made it a rivalry. It was the same night as the Stinky Sneaker. So I guess, was that last week? I guess yeah, it was last, last Friday. Um, and, and so the CUNA invited Columbia in. They hung up signs all over on one end of the gym. And uh, the cast, which is kind of leadership of the school at CUNA, made signs, put it up on the other, and it made a little rivalry. It was kind of fun. Um, you know, the people were everywhere. Students came, made it a, a fun atmosphere. And while I'm there, I'm looking at the wall, and I see a sign. And I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of this. I, I like, <laughs> I like uh, kids being creative, and I like that um, ribbing 
you know, give them the business yeah. in, in a fun spirited way. And, and so I took a picture. It says our girls would beat you. Okay. <laughs> and I tweeted out, I'm always a fan of a good sign burn, solid work, Kuna. And immediately, uh, the girls account for the girls basketball team at Kuna retweeted it and said, thanks for the shout out. Um, and then people started liking it. And then later on, people started commenting in a, in a pretty negative way. Um, you know, saying, you know, this isn't how, you know, that we're, we're not raising our boys to treat girls like this. And, and, uh, and great. Uh, and, and I made a few comments back saying, well, how do you know a boy made that sign? Um, I, I actually DM the, that, that account and, uh, the JV coach runs that, that, that account for, for CUNA. And they said, yeah, our girls thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and so, you know, people getting offended, uh, for other people that apparently don't know that they're being oppressed is something that I'm not a huge fan of. And so when we, uh, I was actually at Col uh, Middleton, mm -hmm. like a couple days later, and the AD at Middleton comes up, where I'm, I'm setting things up, getting ready for the webcast, and Andy Ankney comes up and says, hey, did you see our signs down there? <laughs> and they had made signs. It was a couple great signs. Um, you know, um, we, we searched Google, and we couldn't find any competition. Right. <laughs> I picked for, for the, you know, tonight's sign burn award goes to Middleton High School, Big 4 ASIC girls game tonight versus Caldwell. And it was, your mom called. You left your game at home. <laughs> okay? Great. It's creative. It's fun. No one got offended except people on Twitter. Yeah. And again, there was, there was the same, you know, this leads to bad sportsmanship. I was there. I watched the entire game. Mm -hmm. None of the girls punched each other because of that sign. <laughs> so I, I, actually, I actually think that when I go to games – I might actually make, turn this in sign burn thing, create a hashtag for it. Yeah. You want to send in your sign burns on Twitter, do it. Hashtag sign burn. If you, if you see a group, cause if there's a sign hanging up in a gym, it was approved by somebody. Yeah. You know, it, it you know, if, if it says, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kill your dog. <laughs> okay. That's not cool. Yeah. Right. If you're threatening violence or making fun of a, uh, uh, a disability, not cool. If you're just, having fun being a kid rooting for your team you know a few years ago they they outlawed t-shirts that said like uh, beat bora because it wasn't it, it wasn't sportsmanlike you could say go my team but you couldn't say mm. beat the other team come on <laughs> come on let's let's just you know let's just stop keeping score at that point because yeah. somebody's gonna have to win and somebody's gonna get beat and get their feelings hurt i mean coming from the nasty and inebriated University of Idaho up north. <laughs> I got to say, people who are offended by these high school signs are in for a rude awakening if they even turn on college game day yep. on a Saturday in October and see some of the signs around college campuses because it's another level. You talk about shot clock preparing kids for college. Yeah. You know what? These signs are preparing kids for college. <laughs> exactly. Yes, these, are, these are tame compared to its co college standards. All right. Well, yeah. If you Again, if you have an opinion on that, yeah, go ahead. We want to hear yeah. it. At Idaho Sports. If you want to go on on my personal one, since I'm I'm posting that, it's, it's at Idaho Sports Paul. Uh, okay, one last thing, and it is our uh, I can't remember what we call it. The surprise, surprise topic, topic of the week. Yes. Okay, the surprise topic of the week. Bigfoot. Oh, Bigfoot. Interesting. Okay, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Bigfoot. All right. Uh, I, I think there's a, a I think there's big feet out there. Okay. Not mine. I'm only a size nine. Oh, only a size nine. Yes, oh, but man. there are there are they're out there, and so in Oregon. This week, it's been snowy, mm -hmm. and, and, and now it's kind of cool. We've got um, uh, transportation departments. They put cameras up, like in, in passes, so that people go, well, I'm, I, I need to travel here. Let's see what the camera looks like. And so it was, Bigfoot was spotted twice this week. 
Okay. One, it's Sherman Pass in Oregon. Okay. And there was just a still photo. And yeah. it was like at a base of a tree. And the argument could be made, well, it's a trunk. Okay. Right? <laughs> and so you're looking at it going, well, you know, if we take that same picture tomorrow, it's probably going to look the exact same. Yeah. Okay. And it, and it kind of, you know, got some traction. People laughed. Ha ha. Yesterday, okay. they posted a video. And it was probably, you know, a lot, mo- most of the time, anyone that ever captures a photo of Loch Ness, Bigfoot, uh, it's the worst camera in the world. Yeah. And you can't see it. So this, it was, it was at night. It's black and white. But it's clear, and you can see you can see Bigfoot walking right to left up the mountain pass, kind of makes that famous Bigfoot turn, and then keeps walking right. And that was on uh, Snoqualmie Pass, which is you know it's always a dangerous pass, a lot of snow, and they've been getting a lot of snow this year. So Bigfoot spotted twice in Oregon, two different passes, kind of close by each other. He's got big feet; he can walk fast. <laughs> but he's been caught on camera one one still, one video twice this week, Brandon. Where do you stand on that? I'm looking at the video now, and I gotta say, I'm I'm never one to believe in stuff like that. I just I think that if Bigfoot actually existed, we would have found him by now. We would have found. There's a, been a lot of people that have, but but we would have found a, a, a carcass, a, a a corpse of Bigfoot. There would have been you know, fur analysis and, and and footprint analysis and a little more hard science than I think is there now. But I am looking at this video, and it does look pretty convincing. <laughs> You're a football denier, or a, a, a Bigfoot denier. I'm a Bigfoot denier. My cousin went to Idaho State University, and they had a class on Bigfoot that you could take. He's He's been seen over there quite a bit. So I I commend the people who dedicate their lives to this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk this one up to a guy in a suit. Really? <laughs> yes. In Snoqualmie Pass at night, just to get on, because he did it in front of the camera. Yeah. So maybe, maybe. I can see that. Yep. I'd be interested to see if anybody went out and looked at those footprints. And I bet if you went out there, there'd be none. (laughs) Oh, the deniers. (laughs) The deniers. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here at the Idaho Sports PrepCast presented by Project Filter. It's been another fun week. We'll be back next week. See you then.